Welcome to the Supremely Intercontinental Puckcast, a podcast about fake little hockey guys. I'm your host, Ian Constable, GM of the Banff Rockies. No! Welcome everyone. The playoffs are over and we have a new SICHL Continental Cup champion. Congratulations to Eric Schneider and the Nova Scotia Schooners. We will talk with Eric a little later. Also, a big congratulations to Dustin Nielsen and the Las Vegas Aces for a great run this year and a World Conference Championship. Let's get started with the Aces GM. Here's Dustin Nielsen. I'd like to welcome now to the show Dustin Nielsen, GM of the World Conference Champion Las Vegas Aces. Thanks for coming on the show, Dustin. How are you? Hey, man, thanks for having me. I wish we were talking about a Continental Cup, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. I'll be the bridesmaid yet again, man. <laughs> well, it was an amazing run. And so looking back in this, when I look back in the SACHL, I see that you've been to the Cup actually final four times. Do you think you have learned more each time? Uh, and if not, do you think that the finals are just pure luck once you get there? Uh, well, you know what? I think uh, I think a little bit of it has to do for luck. I think my team this year might be a little bit of an example of that. I mean, luck and you know getting healthy at the right time and you know working on a roster throughout the year. But you know, in in past years, you know, I've had some pretty good teams um, that left me wondering when I didn't win at all. Like, what else am I supposed to do? And then this year's group, you know, started. You played well in spurts, uh, and I really wasn't expecting too much. Not this year. I, I thought I'd kind of made some moves this year that would really help me next year because I got pretty much everybody in a contract that I want um, for next year as well. So all the moves that I kind of made this year were kind of like, you know, maybe it'll get me to the postseason. Uh, but if not, you know, a few of the guys that I have should re-rate pretty well for next year. So I was kind of looking towards next year. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you get a hot goalie, Darcy Kemper, who'd been – you know, I had a lot of guys throughout the year. Camper was hurt a little bit. Weber was hurt. Malkin was hurt. So a lot of my key guys didn't really get it. Well, a lot of the guys that I had. Schwartz um, was hurt right after I traded for him. And I traded for Brock Nelson when he was hurt. So, uh, you know, my team finally got healthy. And then uh, Weber gets banged up a little bit in the playoffs. And it kind of slowed my momentum down. Um, so I don't know if I've really learned the lesson, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think it's kind of, a, you know, it's one scenario to the other. And you kind of just have to get hot at the right time. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of guys there that I really like those pickups this year. Brock Nelson, and uh, I talked about it with uh, somebody on uh, a previous show. I think it was Norm. Uh, we talked about the fact that you picked up Brock Nelson. Uh, another one I loved was Jaden Schwartz. And these guys have not just, uh, they their contract may be ending this year, but you're able to resign them for years to come. And, and you what you gave up wasn't wasn't really uh, that that huge when it came down to these guys you can still keep in the franchise for another four to five years even. So Yeah, like the, the Schwartz the Schwartz one, I mean we I, I know we'll probably talk about the Nelson one, but the Schwartz one was interesting because I did that in December. Yeah. And I, I got him and Cody Eakin, who I later moved anyway. But the the, the key piece there in the uh the Aces getting Schwartz was giving up Tolvanen and yeah. Tolvanen's like the one first round pick that I've made in like the last eight years. I did it at the summit. I, you know, I made sure I had a pick and I took Tolvanen and I was very happy with it. And everybody at the draft was like, good pick, good pick. And, and, you know, he just, 
he hasn't really panned out yet. And I had a chance to move him and Osterley and Tanev and nothing against Tanev, but, and I know the rankings, the ratings aren't much different, but Jaden Schwartz, in my opinion, is a much better player to have long-term. So, um, so I, I mean, it was tough to give up Tolvanen, but at the mm-hmm. same time, when you're securing a guy with that much term left, um, you know, at least control for that long, and a guy that I think can consistently play top six minutes in Jaden Schwartz, I, I just had to do, I had to pull the trigger on it. Absolutely. Oh, I love that move. Uh, on Twitter, we've seen one person keep calling for you to win every series. <laughs> Are you the grinder? <laughs> I, I swear to God, I am not the grinder, <laughs> even though I am very entertained by the grinder. The grinder has also taken a couple of shots at me as well <laughs> along the way. So uh, I, I'm, I, I, I swear it's not me. And I, to be honest with you, I don't even have a, a good guess as to who it could be, but I am highly entertained by it. And I think it's a pretty good account to add to the league. Like I, I think it, uh, you know, compared to the insider, it obviously provides a, a different source of entertainment and I love it. I think it's hilarious, but it certainly isn't me, but I, I'll say this. I appreciate the support. It was, uh, it was nice to have somebody having my back in the postseason. Absolutely. Oh, well, especially I, since for like the entire first and second round, nobody picked me to win. So <laughs> it was, uh, it was nice to have somebody out there liking my team. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm big on the grinder too. I think he's doing a great job. All right. So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think it was that gave the edge to the schooners in the series? And then, how do you address that moving forward? Yeah, the second part of that question is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think overall, a couple of things. One, uh, overall, I mean, they just got an incredibly talented team, and I know I beat some really talented teams along the way, but I mean, the dry saddle injury in the first round very really hurt the Revolution. Um, once yep. that happened. I kind of knew, you know, it, I, it was there for the taking. Nothing against the crunch, but when our two teams lined up, I looked at it. I like my team on paper just as much as theirs. So I understand I didn't have the big season that they had, um, but I, I liked my chances in that series. And when I when I won that series, that's when I kind of thought, okay, well, and I won it in five. So I was like, <laughs> maybe now I can I can make a little bit a little bit of a run. But you get to that final against the Schooners, and I mean, I I like. I usually like my center depth. I usually can run Kuznets, Malkin, Kuznetsov, and then Lars Eller as a really good third-line center. Yeah. Uh, but with Malkin not doing anything, we'll, I guess we'll talk about him in a second, but with him not doing anything, it really put me at a disadvantage down the middle where he could flip Tavares and Taves and then also had Pedersen as a, as a third-line center as well. So I had a hard time, and I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it was after game two or maybe after I won game three, Game four was critical. I think if I won game four, I could have, I think I might have actually won that series, but I lose game four and, um, you know, great job on the other side, flipping Tavares and, and Taves around because they yeah. lost Landeskog. So they moved the lines around a bit. And I mean, I haven't even talked about Kucherov. So I mean, the amount of depth that they had offensively over there, it was just too much to handle. First couple of games, they just peppered Kemper. And, uh, you know, I, I was, I was hoping to, to get Kemper back after, you know, he was so good in the first couple of rounds and then he struggled against Philly. So I went to Koskinen, stole a couple games to win that series. But overall, I just, I, I couldn't stop what the Schooners had going offensively. So I don't know if that means, you know, I have to address my, I might have to address my blue line in the off season. I don't think re-rates will be great to my blue line, but uh, yeah, in the end, I just don't think I had, had the horses to match up with what he was rolling with up front. 
And that's interesting because I thought your blue line was one of your major strengths there. Yeah, and, but yeah. No, I like I like my blue line too, but it, it couldn't just couldn't yeah. contain contain the you know those big guys on the schooners. Yeah, and we talked about it before the uh, before the start of that series. His like his wingers on those top two lines, like your centers could go up against those centers. Like I felt like yeah. Kuznetsov and Malkin could go up against those centers, but then you're looking at like the fifth the fifth and sixth winger of uh, sorry fifth and sixth forward of his uh, is tough. But, oh yeah, it was an extremely deep lineup. Yeah, but that that one guy on your team that just didn't produce, and you know he had that tough season, he had the tough playoffs. I was I was thinking, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be magical. Malkin will walk in last second and score the OT winner in Game Seven, and and he's gonna win the uh, he's gonna win the MVP for the playoffs. But it just didn't happen. So Evgeny Malkin has he played his last game for the Aces? Oh, man, if anything, if anybody would give me something really good for him, he might. <laughs> but I just have a. This is why I always. I I just can never get everything that I want for for you know a big name like that. Yeah. I just and coming off this season, like and his rebate, he had a really good year in the National Hockey League, so he right. should have a pretty solid rebate. But like, if you just look at Malkin's last two years for my team, and for the most part, I've had Granlin riding shotgun with him, and. Last year, he had 106 points in 77 games. Like, he was absolutely unbelievable last year. Uh, This year, and last year he had 301 shots. This year he had 179, and he played almost the exact same amount of games. He only had 49 points in 73 regular season games. So, like, his regular season was brutal. And then his playoffs, if at all possible, were even worse. I mean, five points in 19 games for Evgeny Malkin just doesn't make any sense at all so i have no idea what i love malkin he's been with me for a lot gave up taves i think to get him like a long 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 time ago and he's had some really good seasons for me but i don't i don't know what else to do to be honest with you i mean if if if, first of all he can't stay that healthy he's always banged up here there he's always nicked up which frustrates me a little bit but last year even when he was nicked up he was still producing like crazy um, I don't know what to do now. I mean, nine, five, 19 games, five points for Evgeny Malkin. Like a team, there, if you would have told me at the beginning of the playoffs that Malkin will get five points and I'll lose in the Continental Cup final <laughs> in five games to a really good team and go through three teams that had over 110 points, I would have said you're crazy. Like there's no way it happens. And somehow it did. So any contribution from this guy, I might have actually won. So based on frustration alone, that if I can get, you know, and, you know, I've got a year left with him. Um, and I've basically just been FPing them every two years. But if I could get something significant that could help a little bit now, I think I'd have to consider it at least. Ooh. Well, you heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Evgeny Malkin may be on the block, but you're going to have to offer like up something for him. Twelve times over the last four years, though, and we, nobody. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe Malkin is sick and tired of me um, <laughs> always putting his name out there. <laughs> You know, yeah. You know, and there was I was just reading some uh, some comments about like those top guys and people just not offering what what they're worth um, in the forums, right? And uh, yeah. and you know some of the names that were brought up were like uh, Connor McDavid and Elias Lindholm, and of course now we're hearing Evgeny Malkin. People pony up, don't offer the second rounder and that twenty two year old AHL guy. Make sure you know you, what, quick you're story on somebody, that. Somebody that's worth it. I think, uh, well, I guess it would have been, yeah, the revolution. McDavid, early in the year, 
when he kind of was throwing the name out there yeah. and stuff, I, I put in an offer for Connor. Yeah. And uh, I believe, if I recall correctly, and I don't have the tweet or email in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he said, actually, that's a really good offer, but I just don't think I can move McDavid. And it was like, oh. it was based around Kuznetsov and a ton of stuff. Right. But, um, but yeah, I think I at least made him think about it for a yeah. second. Oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about it a little bit already about a couple, a couple of the guys, but what moves that you made this year set you up best for this cup run, do you think? Uh, well, getting Koskin in right before the deadline helped, obviously, because he actually played pretty well in the postseason. I almost considered going to him at some point in the final. Um, when, you know, like when I was down three one, I was thinking, you know, maybe I can ride, you know, Koskinen to a to a miraculous comeback. But at the same time, Kemper hadn't been brutal so far, and I didn't want to go down with my number one guy um, not playing in the final. So, but he got me game six and seven against Philadelphia, and that was huge. I mean, if I had to keep going with Kemper, I don't think I would have won that series. So Koskinen was good, but the, I mean, the trade, I think it's one of the best swings that I've ever made, and I've been in this league for well over a decade, but when I moved Zuccarello to get a first-round pick and he was on an expiring contract and I wasn't going to be able to keep him, and I so I moved Zuccarello and I get a first, and it's funny because what I've learned over the years, and this is why I always flip picks, or at least it's why I've always decided to flip picks, is that depending on the time of year in the league, I think yeah. picks hold a different value. So I managed to move Zuccarello for a first prior to the significantly ahead of the deadline. And then I kept that first and I turned it into Brock Nelson, who I can have for like the next five or six years. Right. So I essentially turned UFA Zuccarello into Brock Nelson, who in my opinion is a better player already anyway. Um, like that, that kind of motivated me to be like, okay, here we go. Like let's, and I'd already picked up Schwartz. So I'd picked up, I picked up Nelson and Schwartz for like 10 of 12 and in a first Aaron Zuccarello, I guess I should say. And uh, that kind of, I looked at my team all of a sudden and I had really good top nine. And I thought, okay, well, you know, this is really going to work out. And then Nelson, for the first two rounds of the playoffs, he was one of the best goal scorers in the whole league. So, you know, that was one of those deals that I definitely looked at for next year. But I mean, to turn Zuccarello into Nelson, I was, I was ecstatic, man. I was I fired up. It was good. <laughs> I bet. And as, as a guy, as a GM, who holds the Las Vegas 22 and Las Vegas 23 first round picks. <laughs> when I saw that, uh, a single tear started rolling down my cheek. I have to say, I, I, I felt, well, I like felt a little like Matt Birch did this whole playoff run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody always is like, oh yeah, this team's going to be brutal in a few years. <laughs> and I, you know, for the most part, I never have. It's, it's always no. been pretty good. And I think my team next year is, you know, I think I'll be able to put some things in place to put together a, hopefully like a top four regular season team next year and, and then, you know, lose in the final again. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, you, you have a lot of us um, really second guessing the way we're, we're doing our, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing it and, and thinking, Oh, you got to I'll say this. Don't, you draft. No, don't build your franchise. Like I build my franchise because I scramble twice a year to make a deal that will like sustain everything moving forward. And there will come a year where I don't get to pull the trigger on that trade that kind of, you know, the Nelson trade or whatever. And, uh, and then I'll be screwed for a little while. So I did, plus I haven't won. So don't copy what I do. It's not good <laughs> advice. Well, I find it, I find it hilarious because you're so quiet for four months <laughs> at a time 
And then all of a sudden, it just the the Twitter feed, everything just blows up aces. It's like, aces did this, aces did this. And there's like 10 or 12 moves that uh, Dustin's just made. And all of a sudden, there he is going to the cup finals yeah. again. Okay, Maybe that's one so, thing I need to learn is that I need to have longer chemistry heading into the uh, heading into the uh, the play. I mean, this year it, it almost worked, but maybe I'll leave this group together until. Uh, well, I'll make a couple of trades next year. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> All right, so those were so those were some great moves that you made. What was the biggest move that you feel you didn't make this past season that you feel might have helped you out to put you over to the top? Um. Well, I think I almost you move almost moved Jesse Pugliarvi yes. at uh, at some point. Was <laughs> I that, that, you was, that was did. you? Was it not? <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was. That was. Well, that was. I don't that, know. That was Tyler would, would Tyler Toffoli have put you over well, the top? That's the question. Well, no. What ended up happening was I ended up moving it, moving that pick for yeah. Nelson and got to keep yeah. Pugliarvi. But right. that was. I mean, that was one of the other things that I was. I mean, I've, outside of that, I mean, most of the other deals I pulled the trigger on were all the ones that I'd been discussing, really. So, I mean, a few a few little discussions here and there with uh, Boston, obviously, but who doesn't have a lot of discussions with Boston? But <laughs> nothing really, nothing really came, you know, came from a lot of those other talks. I, you know, it wasn't. I didn't make like, you know, like a dozen trades this year, but I made I made little deals here and there. But there really wasn't anything. I mean, the one that I oh, at the beginning of the year, I almost. I almost flip. I almost snagged. Is it Radulov at the beginning of the year? Uh, yeah, I almost got Radulov at the beginning of the year, and that might have actually, that might have actually changed a few things. That deal was pretty close. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, that one. I can't remember who I was going to give up in that deal, but it was it was one of those deals where I was sacrificing a little bit of the future again to get my hands on Radulov. And I think I actually backed out of that for some reason. And I, it's driving me crazy right now, but I can't remember why. But I do remember Radulov being in a conversation at the beginning of the year. And, and maybe that's you know, some of the top-end talent that I needed to to try to out-duel the, the schooners in the final. Right. Okay, so were you serious when you said the Aces were contemplating a rebuild this year? A lot of people have been asking this. <laughs> Um, <laughs> look, I I love hockey prospects. I always have, which yeah. is why it's really strange in this league that I've never had any. Really, <laughs> like I I, I I I go through all the drafts. I go to the draft and Future Watch, and I know all these guys like very very deep. But um, I just I I just find it easier to give up assets to get significant pieces that can help you now than to get that same level of assets in return. And maybe that means I'm overpaying with a bunch of my picks eight years from now to get some of these guys that can help me right now. But I've just always, I've always seen it that way. And I mean, the Zuccarello thing, you know, I, 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 so, I mean, that was kind of the beginning of it, but I couldn't, I couldn't get anything else. So that's why the transition had to happen. I, I moved Zuccarello and then I'm looking and I'm hearing other offers come in and it's like a second rounder here you know, a fourth rounder and a, a guy who's rated 68 and I've already got eight of those guys anyway, mm-hmm. um, you know, to move. I had some interest in Granlund and, you know, I've always liked Granlund. Obviously, he's going to probably take a little bit of a hit this year. Um, so there was a, a little bit right when I moved Zuccarello, you know, a few more guys reached out, but there just wasn't really any sort of significant push for any of these guys. So, I mean, right away, as soon as I see that, you know, I, I start to think, well, if if these are the things that I'm getting offered for my guys, 
then this first rounder I have can probably get me a significant <laughs> player that's under control for a little while. So I I take the first because nobody's offering me a first. So that makes me think that there's no firsts on the market. So I go take my first. I put it out there. And if anybody else had been in a situation like me where they were contemplating selling and they were getting the same offers I were getting, they were going to get a first and be like, holy smokes, this guy's willing to move a first. So yep. that's how I ended up getting Brock Nelson. So, I mean, it's all about kind of, you know, trying to, to figure out what the market is. And, you know, for the last three or four years, you know, I, I, I did a mini rebuild like three years ago. But then I traded all those prospects to get guys to take another run at it. So uh, the only guy that I hang on to is Jesse Pugliarvi because I'm obsessed with him. And the bastard doesn't look like he's going to help me anytime soon, even though he had an excellent season last year and eventually be a major impact guy in the SICHL. So feel free to submit offers right now, everybody. Don't believe him. He won't trade him. (laughs) Well, I, I have to ask you on this next one. Was there any extra incentive? When we talked about you playing, you playing them um, to get through that uh, third round against Norm. But was yeah. there any extra incentive in playing your backup to beat Norm? No, but <laughs> at the same time, because of Norm, I did think that it might work. Basically, <laughs> I mean, like Kemper, Kemper had been so good, and then somehow the fire ants started lighting him up. Like I think it was a stretch of. Let me see. Let me see if I have the uh, playoffs right here in front of me because I think it's just something like 14 goals in three games or something that they scored on them. And at that point, I was down 3-2. Yeah, let's see here. Went to the wrong series. Give me two seconds because it was – I mean, that was a pretty epic series. Yeah. And it started really well. I won the first two games. And then after that, you know, things completely fell apart and, and Norm took over. So it was three straight, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He won three straight. So, and, and Kemper had been, he had not been good at that point. So, um, you know, I, I, I know that Norm had some success with that in the past (laughs) and, and Koskinen had, had one relief appearance earlier in the playoffs and he did extremely well. He had like a 944 save percentage. So at that point, I mean, I had nothing to lose. Kemper was extremely tired and, um, I decided to, to go with Koskinen in game six and, and it uh, it definitely worked out. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he's no Andrew. Don't call me Al Hammond. However, I know early in the year for myself, like Koskinen couldn't lose a game. He was he was on fire. So there was something about Koskinen this year. And uh, and yeah, I think uh, whoever picks him up because I know he's a he's an unrestricted free agent. I doubt he'll yeah, be he the guy you keep, but he could re-rate pretty well. He had a good year. Um, oh, you know what I'll probably do is uh, I'll probably give him $8 million a year in free agency. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mess. Four. In free four. agency, I'm a mess. <laughs> but I always like Zuccarello. That was a horrible contract. Right. But I turned him into Brock Nelson. Absolutely. So there you go. It worked out in the end. <laughs> All right. Um other than the obvious making it to the finals and then losing in the finals, what were the biggest highs of the season and the lowest low other than those two, of course? Um, geez. Well, the, the Nelson trade was a high. I mean, okay. I've never done cocaine, right. but I feel like that's what it was like when I got my hands on Nelson for the pick for Zuccarello. So, that I mean, that was a big one. Coming back against the Fire Ants, um, being down 3-2 and winning two elimination games, that was huge as well. 
I mean, the first round upset of obviously a stacked revolution team, that was awesome. So, I mean, there was a few really good moments along the way that I'd, I'd have to say were were highs. As as for the lows, I mean, just the overall struggling of Evgeny Malkin all year. I mean, okay. you know, at some point you think, like even halfway through the season, you're thinking, ah, you know what? It's one bad half. This was a guy who had over 200 points one season in this league. <laughs> and I'm sitting here and now he's got 40. Like, what the hell is going on? So um, the, the, the Malkin thing was was the thing that just drug on and on and on. And in the end, when, you know, that dude scores three goals in the final, I might win it. So right. overall, Giddy Malkin's got to be the most disappointing low of, of you know, probably like the last five years for me. Right. I mean, and you had a great team, and you were you were in a dogfight to make the playoffs there. So he, he definitely would have helped, like, helped push you in there a bit earlier too, but... But maybe you're one of those teams as well. Going into the playoffs, you had to you had to fight your way in, and there you go. You kept that momentum going in. So who knows? Maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Maybe it was meant to be. Maybe <laughs> it's a good thing that he sucked the big one this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after so many of um, so many years of off-season deals to get the cash to make a free agency splash, how does it feel to be so far above water financially this year? I looked it up. You are at twenty-one. Million dollars and nine twenty one million nine hundred fifty four thousand dollars in your bank account right now. As uh, as our social media team tweeted, um, <laughs> that's as good as a win for me right there. Like to have twenty two million dollars. Usually, I have to sell like forty draft picks to get twenty two million right. bucks. So um, this what this does is it puts me way ahead of where I usually am at this time of year. And usually by free agency, even when I'm sitting like at minus 15 mil <laughs> at the end of every year, I still somehow come up with the cash to you know make one or two rather significant signings. So mm -hmm. this year, what I can do is I'll probably spend all of that money. I'm not going to lie. It'll all be dished out in bonuses. Um, well, I might try to keep some of it. I got I think I've got like eight RFAs that I have to get done. But, um, you know, with that type of money, what it does allow me to do is not sell all of my picks in 2025, uh -huh. which I would usually do for <laughs> cash, and instead trade them during the season to bring in more help. Okay. So, um, you know, from a financial perspective and a 2025 draft pick perspective and the fact that, you know, I'm losing Marlowe and Koskinen and Matt Cullen and that's it. Um the Aces should be able to put together a pretty good run next year. So Absolutely. I will be spending shape. to the max. <laughs> All right. And and do that, please. Spend to the max this year. You should spend every penny <laughs> and even all the pennies you don't have on one year. That's deal. the thing. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. I know you've got those picks a few years from now, but I will find a way to hover around the middle of the pack. I know you will. <laughs> and then go on a playoff run, lose, make 20 mil and do it again for three years. I have to say, what once they're gone from you, they're the least valued first rounders around. <laughs> people, <laughs> what, 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 hey, I've got a Vegas uh, twenty-three pick uh, available, and people are like, oh no, no, Th thanks very much, but <laughs> but no, well, if anybody, I, I know for whoever's yeah, so. listening, um, I am scheduling a rebuild for twenty twenty-four, <laughs> so the twenty twenty-five first rounder is going to come at a significant price. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll remember that, right? Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll probably end up trading it to the Shamrocks along with a horrible contract I signed this offseason <laughs> to uh, to move and free up some money to to do something else. Yeah. 
Well, you, you could you could give yourself about thirty six to forty million dollars by moving some stuff too. So you, that, you know what? That's a really good point. <laughs> That's a really good point. I could do that. You're right. <laughs> any any buyouts coming up? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I no, I don't. I like pretty much everybody yeah. I have. To be yeah. honest with you, yeah. I don't see uh, like Malkin, Taravainen, Kuznetsov, Eller. Nelson, Granlin, Schwartz, and that's a top seven. Strom's going to have a really good re-rate, so like a really good re-rate, so I would think. So he's going to stick around. Then everybody else I have is going to be, you know, $2 million or, or significantly less. So yeah. I mean, there's really no reason for a, for a buyout. Weber will have, you know, one year left on a massive deal. But when he was healthy, he was he was really good this year. I mean, I, a couple of the teams that I knocked off in the first round, Weber did a yeah. hell of a job shutting he down was, their big guns. So. I thought he was your MVP going through. He he shut down some big names like Stamkos and like a lot of a lot of guys. He shut them down big time. I thought so. He yeah. was really good. I mean, yeah, there won't be any bios, but I would you know I might I like Camper, but he's so injury riddled. I haven't taken a good deep look at free agency yet, but. I'll probably spend a little bit to get another high quality goalie this year and right. and go from there. I mean, yeah, maybe I wasn't even kidding. Maybe I will pay Koskinen eight million bucks to stay with the Aces. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Uh, so this group looks great for the next five years, and after, uh, uh, but after that, not so many prospects in the pipeline or picks in the pantry. Uh, your GMing style has brought you to four Continental Cup finals. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but. Should we be confident that you'll keep the same strategies moving forward, or might you be looking to go in a different direction? Well, obviously, there's not a lot of love here for Patrick Verta on my prospects list. That's uh, <laughs> extremely disappointing. Look, my, my my prospect list is basically a bunch of washed-up bums. Um, I, I mean, obviously, we need to respect Jesse Pugliarvi and consider he's like the eventual plan to take over for Evgeny Malkin, obviously, in my years of disappointment. Um <laughs> But I mean, well, if look, if people want to start paying prices for good players, yeah. then I would consider moving prospects <laughs> and picks. But you know, in the end, Gee Flaming gets them for next to nothing, and uh, we all have to deal with him at every single draft. So as long as he keeps stealing everybody's picks, I'm going to have to pay significant amounts to get some. So I'd rather trade a first rounder for 14 million bucks and use it to sign a guy to a hundred million dollar contract. Well, Dustin, I think there's a number of us that are doing it wrong, and you seem to be doing this right, getting to your fourth Continental Cup. Um, congratulations. Great run. Uh, good luck next year. Eh, maybe not the next two years after that, but good <laughs> luck. And uh, and uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, and uh, great run. Thanks, man. appreciate the time. Thank you. Okay, Dustin Nielsen, everybody. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Dustin. I think we may see some record-setting contracts this summer with the Aces having over $20 million bucks in the bank. Good chance that the team may see another couple of finals appearances in the next few years, and maybe even a cup. Next on the podcast, the champ is here! Eric Schneider, GM of the Nova Scotia Schooners. All right, I'd like to 
Welcome to the show, the SICHL 2020 Continental Cup Champion GM of the Nova Scotia Schooners, Eric Schneider. Congratulations on the cup and welcome to the podcast. Eric, how are you? Great, man. That uh, that feels good to hear. I might have to just grab this recording once it's out and put that in a loop every night before bed. That's uh, that's <laughs> what you want at the uh, <laughs> right before dream time. It's amazing. Thanks for having me here. It's an honor. Well, I, I'm really excited to have you on. I know everybody's excited to, ha- to hear about this year and, uh, and of course, this cup run. Uh, I'm going to get started right away here with a question that came from one of our GMs. How many, Ryan, how many rounds of is Le Champion going to buy for all the losers at the next St. Augustine's Summit? <laughs> I really hope that's from uh, Matt McInnes. That's delightful. Um, man, we're not, uh, we're not the Boston Bruins. We don't have a six-figure bar tab to rack up. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, you saw I spent like nine bucks dousing myself in cheap Canadian <laughs> champagne. So I think that's, that's kind of what you can expect. You might get one out of me if, uh, if I'm feeling generous. That was a great clip. I, I was glad that you uh, that you added that on Twitter. Uh, was the family hoping? Uh, was the family home to witness the celebration? <laughs> there was a, there was a conscious decision to spare Eva from having to witness her father's <laughs> uh, drunken debauchery um, firsthand. Anyway, uh, no, I, I went up to the roof while Kathleen was getting Eva ready for bed. Yeah. So they just uh, they saw the aftermath of that when I strolled in, like dripping all over the floor and wrapped in a <laughs> towel. And I did show them the uh, the videos afterwards and. You know, Eva being three years old, she went, Daddy's silly, and that giggled, and that was kind of the end of it. But, yeah, that was that was fun. Great. Have you taken your jersey off yet since the, since the championship? Dude, I had to take it off and, like, wring it out two <laughs> seconds after I got in the door. Um, I, I tweeted something about doing drunken laundry that evening, and that that's that's true. I didn't make that up for uh, for laughs. Uh, I, I didn't want to leave my jersey stinking of a baby duck overnight. So, it's uh, no, it's it's hanging in this revered place in my closet, safe and sound. I'm sure you had a. I'm sure you had a number of uh, inquiries into players immediately afterwards. Good thing that the uh, that the freeze, the paid freeze, was on at the time, being uh, <laughs> the drunken champion that night. Um, Save me from myself. Yeah. <laughs> has the family been wearing schooners jerseys or any other apparel in celebration since? They have not. They've been remarkably nonchalant and unsupportive about the whole thing. <laughs> um, I, I did buy Eva a, uh, a Schooner's onesie when she was a newborn, so she grew out of that a long time ago, and uh, being a, a poor father that I am, I uh, haven't replaced that yet, so I think um, she can she can safely guess what she's getting for her birthday in July. <laughs> nice. Has the hangover worn, worn off yet, or are you still drunk on the uh, on winning in the, the championship? Well, let me, let me answer that question with a prop. Let's see if the microphone picks this up. There we go. Oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Ah, that's delicious. <laughs> the the taste of victory. Next question. The sweet taste of victory. Hey. You're damn right. <laughs> All right. How, so, how did it feel to bring that championship back to the superior Canadian Conference? I think all of our listeners want to know that. Man. Um, yeah, there was there was a lot of interest in in that little um, rivalry piece leading up to it. it had pretty much. I think actually, without exception, every every single Canadian Conference GM messaged me or emailed me uh, <laughs> privately leading up to it. So, like, no pressure, right? Um, no. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, it was a long fourteen years um, on my end. Certainly, you know, the Canadian Conference's drought was a lot shorter than that, thanks to uh, Guy and Dobert's. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they've been consistent. But yeah, man, I'm I'm still uh, I'm still kind of pinching myself. Like I think I've compulsively rechecked the playoff tab like a half dozen times a day since winning. <laughs> I can't quite believe that it actually happened. That's fantastic. How much did you get into your own head uh, with the pressure of the finals? Man, I was. I mean, I, we all saw how snake bit I was through the last quarter of the season. Um, like, I just honestly, I just kept expecting the wheels to fall off the bus. Um, Henry, Matt, they can, Chasm, they can attest to how, how much in my own head I was, um, <laughs> even in round one, let alone by the time I actually got to the finals. Um, and then, especially when Landeskog went down, I, I thought for sure, like, oh boy, here we go. This is, this is Dustin's chance to come back. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's it's real. It was very stressful. <laughs> um, can you set your lines and just leave them, or are you constantly tinkering with tinkering with them? I, yeah, I definitely have the the tinker bug. I think uh, Matt McInnes and I are on kind of the same page with that one, and um, and Henry gives both of us crap about that all the time. <laughs> like, don't mess with success. He's been saying it for years. I saw him take, um, it, you know, no no disrespect to the Gladiators, but a somewhat underpowered Gladiators team to two finals in three years there. Um, and he, he really knows what he's doing with it. And I, for whatever reason, just never listened to him. So <laughs> I finally started to take his advice um, right at the end of the season. Like, I mean, you, you guys saw how desperate I was getting during that losing streak. I was crowdsourcing my lines on Twitter. Um, and finally, I started listening to him, like, just make make some changes, see if, you know, give it a few games, see if it works. If it does, don't fuck with it. Or, oh, pardon me. You can Don Cherry censor me on that one. Um, don't mess with it. And, uh, yeah, try and try and just let the sim tell you what you should be doing. Listen to it instead of trying to impose your will on it. Um, so, no, I did not tinker with my lines unless I had to, unless I lost a game or unless I had an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you, you may have noticed how many injuries I had on defense, especially through the, oh. uh, the first couple of rounds there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I was forced by the Sim to do a fair bit, if that makes sense. Right. So there were, there were a couple teams that, that had that through the playoffs, right? And, yeah. and those teams, and it was crazy, those teams, yourself, um, I think Philadelphia was one of them. Oh, um, yeah. Vegas, I, I believe. Were buddies um, on that. But, yeah. yeah, and a couple. So, uh, was there a specific line change, uh, lineup or line change, or just maybe not taking somebody out of the lineup, but maybe moving some guys around between the lines that you made in the finals, or that you thought made a big difference? I, I think I settled on my lines um, towards the end of that series uh, against Birchie and the Mustangs in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, once I kind of figured out my forward lines everything else just sort of seemed to click the, the defense i couldn't do anything about because four out of my starting six were injured for a good right. chunk of the playoffs yeah but forwards were remarkably consistent and uninjured i think landis was actually the first um, injury to any of my forwards through the whole playoffs and that that didn't happen until game three of the finals so i was i was pretty lucky on that front that i actually mm-hmm. had a chance to really get that uh, that chemistry figured out so um you know once i once i figured out um especially that second line where I had Tavares, Hurdle, and Kucherov. Um, for whatever reason, they were just clicking like crazy. Like Even even if they weren't putting up huge points um, like they did in the second or third rounds, their shot totals were just bananas. Um, and I, I think that made the difference in both my first and my last series in the playoffs. That I was able to consistently outshoot them. Right, and, and you know, just thinking back here, looking back at the at the series all the way through, Yes, you lost those defensemen to injury, but 
you never lost more than two games in a series. So you really never faced yeah. adversity of hitting that like, oh no, like I'm against the wall kind of thing, right? So mm-hmm. so that would yep. that would add to that too. That's good. Remarkably fortunate run. <laughs> but I mean, hey, that's that's playing a good lineup. Um, <laughs> so were you were you confident in this group all the way through? Um, all the way through the season and then in the playoffs or I mean you you saw my smartitude predictions, right? <laughs> like I, I bet against myself in all four <laughs> rounds. Um, I I lost a hundred percent of my confidence with that big losing streak at the end of the year. Um, like call it call it hubris if you want. That's kind of how I chalked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd even started, and I'm never doing this again. But I'd started calculating probability of my team winning the commissioner's trophy um, at about the three quarter mark of the year because I was. Um, for a good stretch there, I was in first in, in the in the whole league. Yeah. And plus, I did the math on me versus Guy because that's the rivalry, and uh, I I had a way softer schedule down the stretch than he did. So I I'd already kind of started patting myself on the back <laughs> by about that three quarter mark, and then the Whoops. whole team just imploded on me. So um, that point onwards, I I was determined not to let hubris get in the way and uh, and be as deferential to sim karma as I possibly could. So that's. That's where the, the smartitude predictions came from. <laughs> well, you made a lot of depth, move, depth moves, and actually a lot of them at that time when when your team was struggling at the three-quarter mark of the season. Once you were you were up there, and then all of a sudden, uh, just before the trade deadline, uh, boom, that, that hit, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so was this an all-in year? Would you have gone into a mini-rebuild if you didn't have playoff success this year? In a word, no. Oh. Um, I, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I was talking about this with Henry before the season started, that the emergence of my boy, Pedersen, mm-hmm. um, has completely changed my outlook on how my team is going to be managed for the next probably 10, 15 years. Um, if I didn't have him as this, you know, emerging superstar, um, I would probably have treated this as a potential all-in situation. Yeah, because my, you know, my core is aging. Um, mm-hmm. Most of them are going to be gone in the next three to four years. Um, by the end of 2023, I've got Tavares, Yossi, and Carlson all UFA. Tapes will probably be gone. Who knows what happens with my my goalie situation? Um, so yeah, probably probably would have looked at it otherwise but with uh, with pd on board i feel like that's you know that's extended my window and i can kind of turn it into um a longer window hopefully so you know you might see some of those guys moving on even sooner than 2023 which is when their contracts go up and i might try and gradually um tool up around pd as opposed to going any any particular all-in seasons right so we'll see though we'll see that could change by july <laughs> Yeah, well, we've seen a number of teams in this league uh, make drastic changes uh, when we least expect them, so you never know. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, your team looks like it has a plan moving forward. So uh, was there a point when you thought, this is it, I've got this, this is mine? Uh, honestly, I didn't, I didn't want to let myself get my hopes up until um, probably that win in game four that you know put me up 3-1 in the series and... You know, Bob got a shutout, and I outshot Dusty something like thirty-five to sixteen. Um, so that was the point where I finally felt like, okay, you know, you, you've probably got this. Um, there was still a part of me that thought the sim was going to just 
try and ruin me. But uh, but yeah, I was definitely <laughs> getting excited after that win. Um, I, I did go as far as messaging Matt to ask him, um, and this, you'll see some allusion to this on Twitter, but I asked him if uh, cheap champagne would be fizzy enough for me to do the whole uh, winner circle shower thing. Uh, he, he assured me it would be, if anything, would be better. Um, but uh, but that being said, I didn't buy any of it ahead of time. Okay. I figured that would be way too big of a jinx. I, I wanted to make sure I actually had the thing in the bag before I did that. Don't want to, yeah. you know, nine dollars worth of uh, <laughs> a liter and a half of champagne going to waste <laughs> in my fridge if I have to just drown my sorrows. So, yeah, cooler heads prevailed. Was there a thought process into assembling this team? In other words, uh, like, do you just always pick the best player available, or are you looking for specific types of players to play with other players? I mean, I I think everybody probably has certain types of players that they prefer. Um, I've mentioned a few times off the cuff, uh, I'm always like a hockey sense intelligence kind of, you know, kind of drafter. That's usually what I try and look for. Um, And uh, in the last couple of years, some of my trades, I've I've been kind of modeling my team off both Sylvan and Kirk's cup winning teams. Okay. Uh, Kirk with that uh, the crazy mobile defense that he had in his his winning run, and then Sylvan was with his uh, high powered offense last year, the high scoring ratings. Um, I felt like both of those. <laughs> yeah, and I, I felt like both of those were kind of where my you know the core of my team was already leaning, and mm-hmm. so when I saw them both win with that, I figured I had a shot. Um, if I had an underlying philosophy though for like for what I'm actually going for when I'm putting the team together, it would be uh, um, like incremental growth essentially like it, it doesn't necessarily matter um what style of player you take as long as you're making an improvement with every deal no matter how big or small so um you know stuff like uh you know the backland trade that i made um in the uh, in the off season um, i had abdulkader and terrible as he is in real life he's very serviceable in sschl he gets good defense ratings um so you know when i, I made that swap and brought in more salary and also gave up a second to do it um a lot of think folks uh we're saying that it overpaid on the deal, and that's fair. But Backland was super reliable, versatile all year. Played uh, both special teams for me at certain points, um, so I, I, I felt like I needed that to uh, to really keep my depth going and, and stay consistent, and, um, be resilient to injuries. Um, and then even some of that silly stuff, like the uh, <laughs> I got a lot of flack for all those late season free agent signings, like Schultz, um, Alsner, Boschman. Um, but all three of them ended up playing significant minutes for me. Uh, and they didn't the cost there. anything, right? They cost nothing. They literally cost nothing. nothing in, <laughs> they, yeah. They literally Just cost points, nothing right? in assets, and they cost next to nothing in salary, right? I mean, exactly. yeah. They're... And and I had no idea that any of them would be playing for the Schooners at any point. I, right. I thought I was picking up for my uh, GHA Clippers run. Right. Um, and they got trounced in the first round. Apparently, I screwed up their chemistry, go figure. But, uh, you know, I ended up going to my 10th like, worst defenseman <laughs> by the time I was, uh, or 10th best defenseman, rather, by the time I was um, uh, struggling with all those injuries. Yeah. So all three of them ended up playing. So you never know. Depth, Huge. Never bad. Yeah. Well, a lot of people will be picking up off that and uh, and looking for those for no, those leave pickups. them alone. They're all mine. They're all mine. <laughs> Get away. Come. You've given away your secrets. <laughs> Damn it. Why am I drinking during this interview? This is a bad idea. <laughs> uh, what moves in the regular season helped you win this year the most, do you think? Well, I mean, Sheetal post uh, pointed out on Twitter um, just how crucial Stahl has been. So I'll, I'll agree with him on that for sure. He's <laughs> a 
rock on the penalty kill. He found some chemistry with Carlson on the first pairing. So that was, that was a big one. Um, uh, I already mentioned my slight overpay for Backlund that I think worked out. Um, Chasm will kill me if I don't mention the Arvidsson Vatanen deal. Cause I, again, <laughs> I got panned for that one at the time. Um, probably did overpay. I mean, I, I was really gambling on a deep run to make those, those pick swaps kind of pay off for me. Like when we did the deal, I mean, the, the key point around that, aside from those two players, was, uh, you know, a first for a second. Um, so, you know, I was giving up my first. That was probably going to be somewhere in that, like, 23-ish range. Um, mm-hmm. Chasm was giving his uh, his second, which we figured would be in the, the high 40s. And then we both went the opposite directions. So I think <laughs> it was like, 29 for 42 or something, which is a lot closer than, than either of us expected. Right. Um, and Arvidsson was not great for me after I got him in that deal. Um, he kind of stank up. He didn't click on any lines through the, the regular season. Then all of a sudden, five goals in the playoffs, including a game winner in the previous round and then the cup-winning goal. <laughs> so <laughs> but it's hard to argue with that one. No, know? absolutely. Um, yeah, so I you know, I would have liked to have had Vatanen while I was uh, playing Francois Beauchemin 20 minutes a night, but I didn't, and I survived it, so thank you, Arvidsson. There you go. So... Yeah. It's kind of tough to, to find any that you would after winning the championship, but any moves you would take back? Nah, all is forgiven when you win, right? Yeah, Isn't that's that right. Saying? <laughs> yeah, nope, no regrets. Perfect. Uh, was your team a complete rebuild? And if so, how long did it take? Yes, I, uh, I am a vocal champion of the Scorched Earth uh, <laughs> tank till you can't tank anymore rebuild. Um I had uh, I had success my first two seasons. So my first year, I made the finals. The second year, um, I lost in the first round, but I had quite a good uh, good regular season. I think I lost to Guy. That was that was the second round uh, of our <laughs> our rivalry. Fourteen years old now, um, and I started my rebuild that summer. So I took uh, Couture. Sorry, I'm just looking this up. Couture, McDonough, and Eller in the first round in 2007. Mm-hmm. And um, that was kind of a partial rebuild. And then when the, the third season didn't go well, I went full scorched earth, um, finished dead last in the 08-09 and 09-10 seasons. Um, won the Taveras lottery and had also stocked up on picks and got Duchesne in the same draft. But uh, that second year, that was the Hall-Sagan lottery. Mm-hmm. And I uh, lost it and ended up with Goodbranson. And uh, that <laughs> slowed me up a little bit. But... Um, yeah, aside from those two years, I bounced back pretty quickly. Like, Taveras was a monster in his rookie season. Yeah. Um, so I ended up finishing second in the conference in, in that 2010-11 season. And haven't missed the playoffs since. Nice. Um, pretty consistent. So the rebuild um, didn't take that long, actually, when you think about it. It didn't, but that was because I kind of artificially sped it up in that third year because I saw how good Taveras was playing. And cool. I I ended up regretting that down the stretch because if I had just been patient and, and continued the rebuild for another even just one or two seasons, I think I would have had twice as many um, comparable assets. I would have uh, would have had a better core that I could have gone in, and I probably would have been more competitive uh, a little bit earlier as opposed to just being somewhat competitive for 10 years. So um, learned that one the hard way, but um, I, I think I was able to trade my way into success after the fact and, and rebuild some of my draft folly. Well, I, I think you're... Team is built for continued playoff success. Uh, has winning it all changed your plans this offseason? Not even a little bit. We're, <laughs> we're in it to win it. We've got uh, at least, I think, like I said, that uh, that three or four year kind of window with the current group. Mm-hmm. And 
we're, we're aiming to take full advantage. Perfect. And then, do you uh, do you feel any less pressure after winning it all? And then, do you think next year um, you won't be in your head like you said you were this time? Uh, do you feel like you really need to repeat to show how great this team really is? I mean, winning is is it feels like the monkey off my back for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that being said, um, I take the rivalry with Yi very seriously. Uh, I would like to enter the conversation as best GM of all time in the league, get myself uh, not just two or three or even four cups, but hopefully get to that five number at some point. Um, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not, not planning on just laying back and uh, taking it easy now that I've got a cup under my belt. I'm, I'm hoping to keep cranking those out. <laughs> Good. All right, this, this next question came in from a couple GMs around the league. The same Ooh. question. Any advice for the many GMs who have been asking how to make it out of the first two rounds? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm hardly the guy to ask about that. I don't exactly have a ton of trips to the, uh, to the late game. Um, yeah, I, I think the only lesson that I really learned in this playoff run, because I do chalk up a lot of it just to um, repetition and luck, but I think depth... Um, Depth, especially on defense, um, proved very valuable to to me in the stretch run there. I'm certainly going to pay more attention to that. Um, having a competent backup, a number of teams I think showed, um, kind of regardless of how how much you you know stock you put in your starting goalie, doesn't matter how good they are necessarily. That if the sim decides that they're going to be terrible, they're just going to be terrible, and right. so you should have that uh, that backup plan. Doesn't need to be an all world kind of backup either. Like Koskinen came out of pretty well nowhere, I think, especially yeah. ratings-wise, and um, got leaned on pretty hard there. So as long as you've got somebody that you would trust to start a few games in the regular season, um, doesn't have to be a full like 1A, 1B platoon, but you know maybe a, a solid uh, 55, uh, oh, geez, my math's terrible, 55-27 kind of split. Mm-hmm. Uh, the days of the 75-game starter, probably pretty well over, unless you're uh, Jeff over there with... Uh, with Bucky. Uh, so, yeah, get yourself some depth, folks. That's all I can recommend. Okay. Any uh, Schooners 2020 Continental Cup mementos or souvenirs we should be seeing on the shelves uh, in the in the near future? I, I am I am working on that. Um, I have a number of ideas, but uh, making sure that they don't cost me an arm and a leg is kind of the, the challenging piece. Um, I did decide years ago... Uh, shortly after my wife got me my Schooners jersey, that I would not crest it until I won a cup, and I would crest it with whoever wins the uh, the Curry Trophy. So that's that's definitely on the agenda. Um, right. Once uh, Mark and Mike decide who it is, Sergey <coughs> Bobrovsky. Uh, I, will, uh, I will definitely look after that. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thinking already about next year and the moves you want to make. Um, is it? celebration time or are you already thinking for next year i i mean aside from that i'm drinking a beer at <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon on a tuesday um yeah i'm i'm definitely still looking at moves um i i tend to avoid off-season dealing i am not a huge fan of the handshake deals as a couple right. folks will attest to but that you know that doesn't mean never so you know if anybody's got any ideas feel free to say hi um but yeah i'm i'm I tend to treat the off season more as like spreadsheet work, do some planning for next year, see what uh, where I think the stats will line up. Um, I've done a lot of uh, 
a lot of my own private research into what um, what real life statistics tend to influence um, our ratings packages, and I think I've got it relatively dialed in. I've got a solid idea of, of who's going to be overrated versus underrated next year. Okay. Um, so we'll we'll see. I uh, it's always a crapshoot. I always you know just like everybody else, wait with bated breath to see those um, those read rates because I never actually know for sure, and I'm always surprised. I'm always trying to tweak my own formula because I definitely don't have it right. But um, yeah, this is this is the time to gamble a little bit. So we'll see. Perfect. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on the Continental Cup Championship. And I'm looking right now on the playoff page, and that's a nice-looking banner right there in the center of it with the schooners. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much, Ian. Um, appreciate you having me on. It's a real honor to join the podcast finally. And uh, uh, shout-out to Mark and Mike for running a unbelievable league um, it's uh, as a couple friends have said this is the dorkiest thing they've ever seen in their life uh, a grown man showering himself in champagne because his uh, <laughs> his free no cost no money on the line fantasy hockey team won a championship um, but that just shows how cool the league is that uh, that anybody would get that invested in it let alone you know, 29 guys um, it's, a, it's a real testament to what they built so thank you to both of them absolutely yeah I agree 100% Thanks again, Eric, and uh, enjoy the off-season. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Okay, that'll do it for our 2020 Continental Cup Finals episode. Thanks again to Eric and Dustin for coming on the show. Thanks as well to all the GMs who sent me their questions uh, for those two GMs. If you have any ideas for future episodes for the show, please send me a DM on Twitter at SICHL Rockies. I would love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now.